1: This
2: is this is this is this is, this is this is
1: this is this is heat, heat beat, 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 beat beat with Giancarlo Nava and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host Giancarlo Nava. With me today, he Twitter President Alf. Yes, sir. Heat Twitter Godfather Leif. We can. We have to figure a system out because sometimes I let you talk and sometimes I don't. We need. A, what should we do? Like after introductions, because like, see, I just talked over you. We need a system for the future. Wait, why are you? What, what's what's with the hand? No, I was oh. just making. I was just telling. Go to hell of you. I was just telling Lee
3: to shut up on purpose. Just, just let you drown. Yeah,
1: no, I'm just there, and, and you guys <laughs> letting Awkward me.
4: Awkward silence is always good to start oh, a yeah, podcast. It'll, you know, it'll really rope the listener into the podcast, and they'll stay for the duration.
1: This is what I need for my teammates, you know, just letting me out there, hanging out there to drive. Yeah, most people
3: just deleted this crap and moved on with their day.
1: Okay, let's start over. With me today is dickhead number one, Alf, and dickhead number two, Leif. Welcome to this program. Hold on. <laughs> why, why are you so smiling at the camera? <laughs> I don't know. Just, I, I didn't know what to do. I hate you so. Moving on from these holes, Chris Bosch released a joint statement with the Heat. Which, um, it's nice because it was a joint statement because they haven't been on the same page. And Leif, you've been on this forever saying how this might get ugly.
4: Yeah. Um, I, I have to say that it was nice to see them release a statement together. That's a positive. But I think that that might be more of a product of certain people making certain concessions considering the information that they have and, um, not being able to necessarily, Uh, push it any further basically I'm talking about Chris Bosh Um, so you know he is basically uh, choosing to be uh, not a distraction and to get out of the way and work with the organization taking the high road for now I just think that this is probably just a very short-term band-aid kind of situation uh, with the statement today and now that this will take a back seat to the actual you know play on the court, I think that this summer we will revisit all of this personally.
3: But, but isn't that what it was supposed to be? I thought this whole thing was supposed to be visited over the summer. Give him time to clear, to, to get off blood thinners for a certain amount of time, reevaluate the whole situation. Um, I guess, just just like a lot of people, I was surprised that Bosch was pushing it like this and it looks to me like uh, he just he maybe got some bad information from somebody and then he got sat down and a lot of people just turned to him and said hey listen dude this is not going to happen i think he probably i i i i'm just guessing the players association turned to him and said dude we there's nothing we can do for you right now and i i, I think it just kind of, it, it just got to the point where he just had no other alternatives and just bow out
4: i thought timing was interesting because uh, it was reported that he uh, accompanied Mickey Harrison on a flight to Toronto and didn't travel with the team and uh, you know and they they've alluded to this on the radio on 790 a little bit I think Whittingham spoke on it. Um, you have to wonder if maybe Mickey Harrison sat with him on that plane on that flight and <laughs> said to him like look dude we love you we want you to play but I can't live with myself if I clear you and something were to happen and sometimes those hard to heart conversations can uh
3: but didn't he but didn't he go with didn't he go with uh, Mickey on the flight to Charlotte like he's been flying on Mickey's plane like for the whole playoffs like
4: and that could be it could be total coincidence it's just something that was spitballed today that i thought you know uh just for it to happen I'll, maybe the reason why it happened is that boston wanted to become a bigger discussion during a playoff run but um uh, you know, Mickey tends to be the guy who uh, who brings these people together and gets well, them to Well, that's what I thought was interesting because
1: if you think back to the weight situation in the offseason, it was Mickey who allegedly got that done. He went over to Dwayne's house, and, and it wasn't Riley. It was Mickey. And from what Ethan has reported and kind of implied, this was also a, a Mickey thing that Mickey stepped in and said, okay, we got to get this done. But at the end
3: of the day, the the cool thing to look at it is, it's like you've seen situations like this in the past, where where it was Derrick Rose and he's milking a situation, and the team wants him to come back, and it becomes contentious, and people are in the media leaking things and things of that nature, and it, it just gets re- it gets really nasty really quickly. The one thing you have to look at with this organization, this team, and even Chris Bosh, even though he was it didn't not not a huge public mess, he did become public with. His request at the end of the day it was all amicable, you know. He's flying out on the owner's private plane during a disagreement. He's on the bench during what's supposedly a, a distraction, and he's you know he's he's uh, hyping the team up before for before, before an, an, an overtime session. Like when you look at it, you can say, okay, as nasty as this could have gotten, because of who the Heat are and because of who Chris Bosh is. It never got to that level. Like they were able to work this out behind the scenes with a little bit of a public mess, but still maintain appearances at the same time, which, you know, I don't know how much, what, what all this is worth, what the value of it, what the value of it is, but it just says a lot about this team, this franchise and Chris Bosh as a person and as a player.
4: I think it also says something and, and I just want to piggyback off what Al said about the Miami, the local media. I think that they've been really respectful uh, to not push, to not ask too many questions. I mean, you you hear how careful Ethan is, Tim Reynolds is. Um, those guys are around the team every day, and um, they could be asking the tough questions over and over again, and I think that they also kind well, of understood. I, Ira
1: messed up. Ira, when they were told, do not ask questions, Ira was the first one to ask. Well, Ira was so
4: awesome. I mean, Ira. A, yeah, <laughs> he's a
1: pushy
3: little bastard. But um,
1: that's it, why I didn't mention. <laughs> I I,
3: I, I, met, I saw that Leif didn't mention Levitard uh, Well, I, he's not really a reporter. He's not, not really local a reporter, media. But some, some of the things he did on his show nah. concerning Adrian Bosch were listen. I'm, you know, Alf. You, I'm all for good fun, but, man. But like, some of that was just in like really, really poor taste. Like really, it made me uncomfortable
1: too. And when you mentioned it, because I, I always listen to podcasts, so I'm always behind a couple of days. And when you were mentioned, you mentioned it earlier. And then when I finally heard it, I was like, "Oh, they were just he." The way he yeah. was talking about, he spends all of his Dude, money. It was kind of gr- like gross.
3: Like it was charged language. Yeah. It was weird charged it language. Was, and and listen, Johnny, you're the you're the king of the feminists. It was like it was like sexist. It was just like it was. And, like, listen, I'm not the most PC guy on earth. Like, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that. I don't give a crap about, uh, you know, about political correctness. But, like, some of that was just almost – it was, like, slanderous. Like, they were basically calling her a gold-digging you-know-what on on the radio. And it was was a little bit –
1: And, and again, they were saying it in fun, but it it came off – and and especially Dan, who's not – He's not the most educated in, in women's subjects, but I, I think he really does try. He goes out of his way and he's very careful. So I, it was kind of out of character for him specifically uh, to say that those kinds of and things. And it wasn't even it was about weird. a
3: women's issue. It's about the fact that yes, no, like, it was just the way he spoke and about it was, her. Yeah. It was a player and his wife that have been, a, have been nothing but class acts. Like, you know, for her, for for the one, for her one public misstep to be wanting her husband to play basketball and for that to turn her turn into her being a, uh, a, a, a gold digging, you know, whore like it, it was, it was like, whoa, like, well, how do we make this leap? Because
1: like, <laughs> yeah, crazy.
3: like, whoa, where did where did this come from? Because everything I've seen about the Bosch is like beautiful family, very supportive, loving wife. Um, you know, they even talked. Bosch even talked about uh, in the Ray Allen shot, Game Six, two thousand thirteen uh thinking everything was over looking over at, his, at, his, at wife. his wife and her still being supportive and him being like oh she doesn't even understand that it's over <laughs> because she is a super supportive wife and like like, like but see i'm not going to pretend to know more about her than i actually do and so for what what they did was i just i thought it was just i don't know it just like 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 johnny uh, said it made me uncomfortable
4: I have a sneaky suspicion that Dan knows more than maybe he could necessarily feel comfortable talking about. So instead of just not talking about it at all, he tried to make an attempt to be some level of funny and entertaining and it went wrong. That's just, and that kinda... might be,
1: that might be so, but again, it, it feels as it, like Alf said, it has an element of slanderness slanderousness, uh, making up words here. Um, do it. I that
3: was a good word.
1: Spell it. Lander <laughs> I couldn't spell funny today. <laughs> Part time spelling funny, dude. Well, you know, and, and talking about the Chris Basso, something that I was thinking about a couple days ago. Do you think Miami would want him back? Not, not the team, not the guys in the locker room, and not Spolstra. The organization, as an idea of injecting someone into that lineup when they found something that works.
4: No. Yes, I mean, what? if he if he was healthy, I I personally think if he if they thought he was healthy enough to play, that they think he's smart enough and he understands the system but I'm well talking, enough. I'm talking to be Mickey. Dr- to be I'm parishing. talking
1: Riley. I'm not talking the guys in the uh, locker room. For
4: for them, well, it depends on what you're like, what you're in what context you're saying. Or do they want him on on the court right now? Yes, but if you're talking about how it impacts that. Uh, reset of the clock in terms of when his money no, 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 comes no, no. off. I'm the talking books.
1: about specifically their encore production, which they their their new identity, which they found. And I, I don't I know. Think, if, uh,
4: I just, think they would defer to Spo. Quite honestly, well, you think Spo would want him back? Oh, I think he would. Yes.
3: Because here's the thing: when you talk about their new identity, and this, I I I was arguing with somebody today about this. Their new identity, it, it, it this whole thing that this new identity is. Due to the absence of Bosh, is is a such a false narrative. This new identity was evident when Bosh was in the game as the five, and Luau Deng was at the four. This was their most effective lineup pre All Star break. We're acting like what's happening is brand new. No, what was happening with that lineup? It was happening before the All Star break. Bosh at the five is the only big on the court has been. Very effective all year long. So to act, like... I wrote
4: about it. <laughs> yeah, to act
3: like what, to act like what's happening now is some brand new revelation that oh, because Bosch has gone out, oh, we've all found out that uh, Lou Alden's most effective position is at the four. Like later is saying, I wrote about this, and I don't know anything. I wrote about this at All Star Break <laughs> at the five on five when when Bosch was out. I said the best thing about this is more Lou Alden at the four because. Spolscher had already figured this out. So somebody was arguing me that is a bad coach because he didn't realize Luau Dane was, was better at the forward. No, dude, he already realized this. But here's the thing. At the beginning of the year, when Pat Riley hands you Hassan Whiteside and Chris Bosh, you have to try to make that work, right? We're all in agreement that we all thought that on paper, Chris Bosh at power forward and Hassan Whiteside at center was the way to go. And when you're handed that lineup, you have to try to make it work. And that's what Spo did for the first half of the year. And then when Bosch was out, he said, okay, well, we're going to go to what? We're going to go to our bread and butter that's been working. Luol Dang at the four. And that's what's been working.
1: Well, Alf, what I will say about what you're saying is it's a little bit misguided in that it wasn't the Bosch lineup that was really good with Luol Dang at the four. It was the Hassan lineup with Luol Dang at the four.
4: I think that really it's it's about one big lineups. That's what the it's, moral no, of and, the story I is. Ag-
1: I agree with you there, but the lineup with Chris Bosch at the 5 and Al Deng at the 4 was a minus on the season. Now, they played only 61 minutes together, so it's, it's obviously a small <laughs> so sample. That stat, so that stat means absolutely nothing. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's they did not play enough, but Hassan at the 5 and Luo at the 4, which uh, we had dubbed the swine flu lineup, uh, Nikias and I, uh, was like a, a plus ten. It was one of the best lineups in the league, and that was pre All Star break when they when they used that a lot.
3: My bigger point is with your stupid numbers proving me wrong. Um, my <laughs> bigger point is it didn't prove you wrong. Luol Deng at the four is not a new revelation.
1: No, and that I, that I agree with. And, and that the more minutes
3: support. with Luol Deng at the four, uh, Bosch at the five, with Winslow at the three. I think would have. I, I, uh, I, I think you would have seen the. I think you would have seen. Similar type numbers to the swine flu lineup that you're talking about. If 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 you left,
4: Johnson at the Johnson or Joe
3: Johnson at the three, now now that's a whole new wrinkle. But what well, my big my bigger point is that Spo had figured out that the one big lineup was a great lineup. The problem is, like I said before, when you're handed those two guys, like what do you do? You know, like. We're, we sit here and we act like we're all smarter than Spo, which is, which is what I've been battling against, like, the last couple of days. Like, we have all these couch nerds and losers and these these guys like me who, who sit around and tweet and think they're smarter than Eric Spolstra. When you're handed a, 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 a starting lineup with Hassan Whiteside and Chris Bosh, who among us would have benched one of them at the beginning of the year?
1: Nobody. Well, no, no. And Alf, what I, what I don't understand about people is, oh, I would do this. I would do that. I would take the ball out of Dwayne's hands. you got to look at those guys in the locker room when that doesn't work. Like, that's not coaching. Yeah, exactly. Not just,
3: take the ball out of Dwayne Wade's hand during the regular season. And what's, what about in the
1: playoffs? You ha- no, but I'm not even saying that. I'm just, I'm saying you take you tell Dwayne no ball for you. Yeah, go yeah you try. See how that goes <laughs> down with your superstar and your locker. And not party. to mention
3: somebody somebody was arguing oh because I I you know I I searched the hashtag hashtag walk and I found one guy who was oh Dwayne's usage percentage is too high blah 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 and I was like oh let Wade walk huh because you know the last few games he's been amazing in the postseason where. Uh, this is Dwayne Wade's time and this is what what we have him here for and he's like uh what was he saying? He's saying oh no I was saying his usage percentage was too, his usage was too high. Game 6 and game 1 his usage was higher than it was during the regular season.
1: No I, that, but see no, this, I is what I, this, this is what this what I'm
3: saying like we we want them to we want we want them to do these things during the regular season, make these decisions just like you're saying, Gianni, and go in the face of these guys who they have to count on at crunch time, and tell them, Dwayne, we want the ball out of your hands. We want you to give it to Dragic, uh, Hassan. We want you on the bench, or Bosh, We want you on the bench. We want these guys to say these things when we don't realize that there are personalities involved, and that's what this is my big thing with Kochi and Dutch and all these guys who who have the, who, who, who preach process. There are human beings at the center of all these discussions, right? And now when you get to the postseason, when you get to the biggest moments, and your trust in Dwayne Wade all year, even though everybody on the outside, on the periphery, was telling you, giving you all these stats about plus, minus, net rating, blah, 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 blah. Now, look <laughs> what happens, right? That trust in Dwayne Wade, that trust in these guys is – is is a rewarded now, right?
1: Well, I, I'll tell you about the Dwayne. I mean, that's that's kind of playing the results a little bit. I know you hate that phrase, but I, you know I agree with you. You know, you go down with your best playmaker because it's not just the shooting percent. And I know that we can look at Dwayne Wade's true shooting percentage and say that's not very good. And I understand that, and I'm aware of his level of stardom. And I am aware of the lineups and the on and off numbers. And I do agree. There are times in the game where he does not have to be handling the ball so much. There are times that he should play off the ball and let Drogic run the pick and roll for, for several reasons. But at the end of the game, when you're trying not to turn the ball over, when you're trying to get a good shot, and when you have a guy that can shoot from anywhere and is a good decision maker and is, is can deal with all kinds of defenses. That's a guy you want at the end of the game.
4: It's just a matter of people having better perspective throughout a regular season, understanding that it's a long, long season. And, um, it, the only way that you ever, uh, can rely on a guy like Dwayne Wade and, and, and even have a player like Dwayne Wade that you can truthfully trust, uh, late in games is by sticking by him, even, um, when maybe the, the data would suggest that you would go in another direction. I think a lot of times people end up um, treating the NBA like they are managing their team on NBA 2K. And that is, you know, it's just not real life. Well,
3: also part of the problem is we're down in Miami, and a lot of these people are converted football fans, and they (laughs) – yeah, no, it's it's true. Like, they lose their mind over regulars. Oh, how did we lose to the Kings? Like, shut up, dude. Who cares? Like, how did we lose to the Lakers? The Warriors lost to the Lakers. Like, this happens.
4: It happens. Yeah. And speaking of... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of how did we lose, Um, when I woke up this morning and got on Twitter, uh, it almost was like, how did we win? And I was... uh. I was really shocked at the reaction to the game one victory, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on the way that some people that I would consider to be pretty educated, um, level-headed Heat fans react to winning. (laughs) Well, it's just, okay, let me ask you guys this question. When did the paradigm shift where, when you were the road team, in a playoff series, starting game one on the road, at, uh, the like the goal is to go there and get a split. And if you get a split, you should be absolutely elated. And if you win the second game, that's absolute gravy. But you're really not expecting necessarily to win both games. Obviously, when did that shift where we weren't like it, no it's, content with
2: that?
3: It shifted when a bunch of Dolphins fans started watching basketball. That's when it shifted. Because anybody who's been watching NBA for a long time knows you get that one win on the road, and you that's why that's why I think tomorrow night's gonna be a blowout. Because there's a satisfaction with winning that with with winning a road playoff game when you when you are the when you are the road team uh, in a series, and then you look at the way we won, and everyone's I mean I had people telling me that it was Spoh's fault. That Lu ran across the baseline and didn't know the rules to basketball. Lou is how many how many years has he been in the league? Thirteen? Twelve? Fourteen? Twenty? He he's like he's thirty
1: five. <laughs> he's thirty five
3: <laughs> in Tib years, all right? Like he <laughs> like he knows how to play basketball. And you're telling me it's supposed fault. Okay, that was one. The next one the next
1: one was I'm sorry, thirteen seasons. Yeah, the
3: next one was it's Bo's fault that Lowry hit a three quarter court heave. Why did he foul?
1: Because, I saw people complaining about the way Justice was defending oh that. I God, was like, like, what? What? like dude, what? No, you got to press upon him. And I was no, like, you don't, no, first of all, you don't press upon him because yeah, then he blows by you and he gets a No, it's not even try. that he
3: blows by you. He flails and gets a foul call on you at half court and he gets three foul shots. Like
1: Devin Harris? Yeah, like you do not mind. play that like that.
3: You just try to contest with, and you do not dare foul. And that's exactly what. Winslow did because you play the percentages and there's no way he's going to hit that shot. Right. And he hit it after he stepped out of bounds. All of this turned into Spoh's fault. All of it. Somehow on my timeline and my time. No,
1: and then people, people complaining about the Joe Johnson being on the floor. Like, he's a good free throw shooter, and you want to slow the game down. See,
3: and I did that. I I, I, I I, questioned it. And here's the thing. Like, you can question rotations. You can question certain things and say, I don't understand why this is happening. But at the end of the day, you defer to the guy who spent his life as a, a, learning how to be a basketball coach, you defer to the Pat Riley, who trusts Eric Spoelstra to run this team. So at the same time, where I didn't understand why we weren't going offense defense, now then it was explained to me. Well, I, well, Alf, you don't want to keep using your timeouts to go offense defense. Oh yeah, I'm a dumbass, and Eric Sposter's a lot smarter than me. I would I would have burned my timeouts with four minutes left going offense defense. That's why
1: rebounding I, as well. You want you want a bigger guard into rebound? you want a guy who can shoot free throws? Another ball handler on the floor. Like, there's so many reasons for him to be out there. Yeah, but
3: I'm yeah, But, co- but Giyadi, I'm a
1: dumbass.
3: So when I question when I question Spolstra, like I understand that I don't know half not even half. I don't know one tenth of what Spolstra knows about basketball. And that and that's where I get pissed off. Oh, Spolstra's an idiot. No, you're an idiot. Like you you don't know you don't know jack shit about what Spo knows about basketball.
1: And it's funny that you say that about how we really don't know. Nikias of fast of thefastbreak.com, who also contributes for Heat Beat, does these cool things where he goes back and he rewatches the game and he breaks down the film and he, he's he's really smart and he, he's looking at the game and he's breaking down every play by play. And there was this one play where Wade rejects a Hassan screen. Then Hassan rescreens and Wade does go around the screen there. And he was explaining how Wade rejecting the original pick threw Valanchunas off position, which allowed Dragic to leak into the corner. It's like, who thinks of that? We're not watching the game that closely, but they yeah. are. No. Like, we need to see that on film and somebody explain it to us. Like, that's basketball. You know, we could say that it's a simple sport, but it has its intricacies. For sure.
4: And, and I think that I want to, I guess, and I mentioned this on my timeline, but I should probably reiterate that, uh, I don't think that we shouldn't be necessarily raising questions about rotations, coaching, plays, um, things like that. I'm not saying that, like, uh, you can never, um, say bad things about Spo or about the team. Um, I, I just think it's a little weird to, um, to win a game one on the road in the semifinals and steal home court, especially coming back from that shot that went in like that and is well, a you're a bad punch.
1: road team. The heater, yeah, a bad man, road like team. that
4: might be the only like we may not have another shot at winning a game in Toronto, so that might be the one that you need. And to immediately go to like and Harrison said this, um, like it felt like a very lossy win. Like, I just feel like that's such a weird way of processing that we just stole game one. Yeah. So, like, that's where but that's, like, all of this other stuff gets thrown out the window to me. And I start to, like, think about, like, like that's such a weird way of of digesting heat basketball. I don't that's, know, it's just different. That's the
3: big three effect on this fan base. Like, no win is good enough. You know what I mean? Like... No, you have to be. Everything has to be dominant, dominant, dominant. And even if you look at the only reason we went to OT is because of a bonehead move by Lou Alden. They scored seven
1: points in twelve seconds. Bonehead, when does
3: that happen? A bonehead move by Lou Alden, right? And then a miss. Uh, the the referees miss that Lowry stepped on the line. That's why we went to overtime. So, but but because Lowry hits a... Three quarter court shot, right? It turns into suppose a bad coach, and like everyone says that like, I play the result. No, no, that is playing the result because if Lual Deng just inbounded the ball naturally, right, and didn't mess that up, and if they called Kyle Lowry out of bounds, suppose a fine coach. But because of a a, a three quarter court heave and a bonehead play by Lual Deng, now suppose a bad coach, right? That's what I'm talking about. it doesn't make any sense, and if you look at if if you watched yesterday, you saw the way people reacted to Joe Johnson switch by minute to minute, like one minute including you. <laughs> oh, I got mad, but I wasn't like, oh, we should have never signed That's Joe We should have never signed Joe. people, are like, we never signed Joe. people are like we should have never signed Joe Johnson. He's a complete waste of a roster spot. Why isn't Darrell Wright playing? Like those people, like I want to choke them. Like I want, I want to, I want to, I want, like there would be nothing better in my life than to put my hands around their neck and watch them stop breathing air. Like put Darrell right in. Like
1: you, I love this imagery. You
3: genius. Like, you are a genius. Put Darrell Wright in. My God, how come nobody's thought of that? Why Keith Smart dude on the bench? Like, why isn't he telling Spo to put freaking Darrell Wright in? Like, For the sure. out-of-shape dude that was balling out in China. Like, why isn't Darrell Wright dude, in the game? He wasn't
1: even balling out in yeah, China. Yeah, he was
3: scoring 25 wow. a game in China. I could score 25 a he game was. in China.
4: I think it was like 25 yeah, or I 26. His, his, dude, I could his ball. percentages were way down, oh. but... Um, let me ball just, out. Just in, because, I can ball out
3: in China, dude. Watch.
4: Uh, let Let me be clear that um <laughs> I don't want to lump because I mentioned Harrison specifically about saying it was I want to lump him in. Win. He was mean to me no, this morning. No, I, I don't want to lump him in with with the Darrell Wright um crowd or whatever crowd that we're alluding to there. Um, you know, like I usually agree with most of what Harrison says. I, you know, he, he, he there's no beef, nothing like that. Uh, it's just, it was a weird thing when I logged on and saw the reaction. Also, a cat named T Shields too was really going in on Spo, and I just, I just found it to be a super bizarre. Oh wait, was that the
1: guy who called us a struggling blog?
4: No, that was Tommy
3: Aether. Aether.
4: Yeah, no, that's that another guy. cat.
3: Yeah, he came at me. I, I
4: follow him. I don't know much about him. I didn't see that he said that because had I seen that, I would have reacted immediately. <laughs> He's I like, still, "Oh, uh, I still I may had... go back and actually react to that um, for the record." But uh, anyway, I just you, I just want to make sure Harrison knows it's all love and he ain't here to defend himself. So um,
3: no, no, it's not all love. Harrison took me to a racist bar in Davie. So, I'm going to tell Harrison straight See, up.
1: I ain't got That is a to do true story. Alf, could you tell the people what happened when you walked in that bar? What, what happened? Explain to music, us how everybody just the turned music to The music stopped.
3: At you. Uh, this, they stopped riding the mechanical bull. Um, like, everyone stopped square dancing. It was just, everyone turned and looked at me. The bartender told me, you ain't from around here, boy. It was just weird. Somebody called me a porch wow. something. It was just, it was very uncomfortable. Um, I feared for my life.
1: Your poor cousin and your friend. Ah, yeah, then
3: I invite my cousin and my friend thinking, oh, you know, Harrison wouldn't steer me wrong. Harrison is, and we're talking about Harrison Citrin, uh contributor to Heat Beat and part-time races. Um,
1: <laughs> At H L C Y T R Y. Yeah, I felt like he
3: wouldn't steer me wrong. I invite family, not just friends, family
1: and family. friends
3: to this establishment. You've been you've been through a lot with him. Yeah,
1: it's close family. Yeah, no,
3: he, I, and I I bring them to the establishment, and for us to be treated the way we were, like we ordered uh, Philly cheesesteaks, they just brought us fried chicken and watermelon. It was just very, it was very offensive. It was it it, it was, but, but what you know, I don't blame Harrison. You know, Harrison lives a very sheltered life. He plays polo on the weekends in Wellington. He, he just doesn't understand the struggle of the black community. But, like I said, I'm not blaming Harrison for this. You know, I, I feel like Harrison just doesn't know better. He just doesn't know. But, listen, at the same time, I'm not going to excuse Harrison's super hot, crappy takes from last night. I just, I just won't, in, in light of his part-time racism. <laughs> I
4: don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with all of that information. <laughs> uh, I don't know that necessarily all of that shit was true, but it was very funny. And I'm going with it. I mean, I so was that was, uncom- that was hashtags, hashtag facts only.
1: Listen, I, I may look white. I'm white passing, but I'm Hispanic. So I was just as uncomfortable as Alf and nobody was saying to me. If they knew I was really brown, <laughs> Alf can't breathe. His mic's off. And he's just queuing over. You, you know how they have
4: like a Buffalo Bills bar, a Miami Dolphins bar, a Giants bar? It sounds like he took you guys to a Trump bar. It was a
1: Packer bar.
3: Yes, it was a Green Bay Packers bar.
1: And, and FSU. Yeah. So like Tallahassee, which Tallahassee ones and
3: Green Bay. Like the Yeehaw. two worst places for black people in the United States of America.
1: <laughs> Is that it? Is, and, I would think Alabama's pretty bad. No. Uh, we got some black people
3: in Birmingham.
1: No, I know, but You're it's just America. they're not treated well. <laughs> <laughs> they're there. It's that's not that's like accurate.
4: they. Were, <laughs> I, live, I live in South Carolina, man. Y'all don't even know, dog. That went off
3: the rails. Oh my god,
4: <laughs>
1: that is good. It's so yeah, good. You got, good luck editing this, Brian. And then the so problem weird. is, you
3: guys just let me keep going and don't. because no, it was hilarious. Don't let me do that. It's bad.
1: No, we have you to have let you to do stop that. Me. Okay, I have a fun topic. And this is something I've been wanting to talk about because I've been, I've been bouncing this idea off my friends and they think I'm crazy. I low-key, I, I high-key think. Well, I, I, I guess first, people romanticize 90s basketball in a way that I don't understand. Um, so I, I kind of think that a lot of the players in the 90s wouldn't be that successful today. Now, guys like Jordan would be made better. Spread pick and roll, and Pippen with his ability to switch and play defense on the wings and play four. Like I think there are some guys that would do a lot better in this era than they like. Michael I felt was held back by his era, Uh, but guys like Ewing and Malone, I feel in this era, see, it's not would be so bad defensively. It's not even
3: Ewing Malone. No, I wouldn't even go.
1: Oh, Leif's face, dude! Look at your
4: no. Your, Well, no, no, I I don't disagree with you, but uh, I'll let Alf go first. It's
3: not the Yous and Malones, right? The the elite of the elite will always be elite.
1: No, they're going to be good, but but they won't be as good. You know what it is? It's it's the Charles
3: Oakleys. Like, it's the – It's it's like the – P.J. Browns. The P.J. – like, P.J. – who would P.J. Brown guard in today's NBA?
4: Well, I mean, he could guard fives, but it would just be – um, a totally different game. Like he'd I, Kendrick, you,
1: he'd be Kendrick Perkins. No, he'd be a slower. Tristan, uh, not, better, no, he'd better, better, be a slower better,
3: Tristan better. Thompson. Like that's the kind of player to be a slower. Tr- and he wouldn't be able to offensive rebound like Tristan can. You know, I think like,
1: Tristan and Hassan are like the evolution of that guy. No, no, yeah, tr-
3: Tristan is Tristan is a uh, is a callback to a bygone era. Um, but his athleticism kind of keeps him around. It's kind of the same thing with Whiteside. Where his game is. It's passive. He's almost a dinosaur. But his athleticism is what keeps him relevant.
4: With 90s basketball. This is the thing that most people. um, I feel like they romanticize about it. um, Because of the Jordan era. And because of certain highlights. Of certain players. Hakeem doing what he did. um, Even some of the Shaq and Penny stuff. Um, But. It was a different game like it's so funny when you see games played into the 80s right now or competitive playoff games that are just ugly to watch like even last night's game between the Raptors and the Heat like every Heat Knicks series that was every single game like that's just how basketball was played the Pacers back then would play against the Knicks and the Bulls and and it would look like that so um it, there's a little bit of, like, people forget about how the game looked play-by-play. Play. Like, I wish Nakaias could do breakdowns of 90s and games play-by-play awesome. play, because when you look at each individual play, a lot of it, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, why are they not spacing the floor? Why don't they have a guy <laughs> on the corner shooting the three? Like, it was just a different yeah, game. Yeah, there was no spacing.
3: Um, I mean, the the... The off ball, paint the, the, and no the off ball action that it, that exists in today's NBA did not really. Maybe I'm wrong, but it did not exist back in the '90s. It was well,
1: that's why Miller <clears throat> was such a big deal. Reggie was a bigger deal. Yeah, because Chris the way be he ran
3: good. through screens, which begat Ray Allen, which begat Steph Curry, which begat today's NBA. Because it's all, it, what, if if you watch today's game, it's way more about what's happening away from the ball. Than what's happening on the ball. Um, and back in the '90s, it was ever, all it was was what's happening on the ball: the pick and roll, the pick and roll, the pick and roll, the ISO Jordan breaking down somebody, uh, you know, at the elbow, like kicking it out to a Charles Oakley type cat who specialized. Like there were so many guys who just specialized in standing right around the free throw line extended and could hit that jump shot. At any given time, once, you know, the shooting guard or the point guard broke down the defense, I'm talking about P.J. Brown, I'm talking about Anthony Mason, I'm talking about Horace Grant, I'm talking about Charles Oakley, has Hazlum is the last of these people. Like, that was, Eudonis made his living off of that shot. Um, but that is not what happened. Like, you know, if you have your power forward sitting right there in the middle of the floor like that, just, you know, basically camping out at free throw line extended, now we're going to look at your offense and say, what is this prehistoric nonsense that you're playing? You're, you're clogging up the middle, um, which is why I do harken back to the 90s. I do uh, appreciate the physicality. I miss some of that. Like I miss some of that just hard nose. Like, there are no layups. Um, I miss like guys like Reggie Miller just getting rocked. Thinker, they can come in for a layup. Like that's why when people say Steph- fights, yeah, fights. I like fights. people like when people say Steph Curry couldn't have uh, survived in the nineties. It's true, right? Because in the night 90- I don't
1: know about no. That, in the
3: nineties, they would have destroyed. Like they would have just sent an Anthony Mason type type dude out there and just clothesline him. Like that's what the, this is what they would have done now.
4: Is it because no. of his
1: skill level? No. His skill level. He would have been. He still would have been really good in the no, 90s. He, they would I,
4: have I agree. I, he would have adjusted. I mean, he could have gotten punched in
1: the mouth. But Al, and, you know, what, what The difference between, the difference between him, if, if he's in the 90s, he would not be the ball handler. He would be standing in the corner. It, yeah, but in the, the 90s, break.
3: if he shot 11 threes in a the game, they would have sat his ass on the bench.
1: But he would have made house. But it doesn't matter
3: if he shot. This is the thing. I'm not saying that it's better. It was a bad brand of basketball sometimes that wouldn't let a guy like Steph Curry flourish. I'm not saying that Steph Curry couldn't survive in the 90s because he wasn't good enough. I'm saying that basketball in the 90s wasn't good enough to let Curry survive. Because what they would have done is they would have sent a goon out there that the first time Steph Curry went into the went inside they would have just destroyed his ass right and then if
1: you don't you don't think he would have if if he had grown up in that era you don't think he would have adjusted adjusted how to get in fucking clothesline? I mean, like he's I mean, but Stock Stockton was a guy who was small and penetrated a lot you know
4: no and you, Isaiah you could Thomas be right about is another that.
1: small guard i mean like,
4: I, I think i think the transcendent players of either era would have adjusted had they grown up in that um, and they had that in, ingrained in their DNA, in their basketball DNA from day one. That that's the way that the game was played. Just as like I think in today's game, you look at guys like Tim Hardaway, Rod Strickland; those guys would have been awesome point guards in today's game with the amount of space that they would have had to work with. Yeah, I think that I think that you could say the reverse. But about that's guys but that's what I'm saying. Late, like, like
3: Steph Curry would not have been allowed to be as to be great in the '90s. It's not because of Steph Curry. It's because of basketball in the 90s, it's because of coaching in the 90s. Because if he went out there and he shot four threes and missed all three, they would have put him on the bench. And we all know How that. Often he... You weren't like nobody was allowed to shoot that many threes in the game. So
1: nowadays, no, I, I, he misses. I, I, his... I understand what you're saying. I, I do get what you're saying. But in terms of. In terms of a guy going out there to, to try to hurt him, I I just think that he'd be able to overcome that by adjusting, by going through picks, by shoot because he has such a quick release.
4: I just think that three point shooters in the nineties were um, they were specifically uh, very uh, uh, they it was like a niche skill set that was used Tim to create. It, well, it was just basically because you had so many good big men that like you needed the three point shooter to be a threat to try to get teams to not double your 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 David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning center, so or Carl Malone kind of player. So like it when you were a three point shooter in that era, you immediately got boxed into being a specialty player, not a Steph Curry all world player. Um I don't know. I think he would have adjusted well, and played I, I great. Think
1: that's an interesting perspective from out that he just wouldn't have been allowed to exist. That's, that's of the, what the, I'm the saying. Of- like,
3: if you look at the the, the three-point shooters of the 90s, Dennis Scott, um, Tim Legler, like they were just seen as like... Glenn uh, Rice. You were just... But see, Glenn Rice was... But,
1: but Glenn did other things. See,
3: his, a guy like Glenn Rice in today's NBA would be better than he was in the 90s because they would have just said... Glenn, shoot from wherever you are on the floor. Stretch shoot. four, <laughs> shoot. Oh, he would have been. He would have. He would have been a stretch four. He would, and he'd been fantastic. It's like Larry Bird. How about
4: Mashburn as a stretch. No, oh, but I can
1: agree that that Steph would be less effective. But I still think he'd be. Good. Oh, he'd be
3: good. I'm just saying he wouldn't be great. He wouldn't be a superstar. I'm talking like
4: La-
1: That's my argument with Michael. That I think Michael's time held him back oh, so from being better. But see, like
3: to me, a guy like Larry Bird. In today's NBA, the way he shot the basketball, when and, and you just said, Larry, like you have carte blanche to shoot from three all day long. And the way that he could create off the dribble, the way that he could pass, the way that he could create for other players, I think Larry Bird would be better in today's NBA than he was in the 80s. See, the thing. I
1: agree. And magic, by the way. Oh, magic. I mean, my gosh. <laughs> Imagine magic in the spread, pick,
3: and roll. Yeah. I- I, I think I, like Magic transcends time.
1: Um, as a fu- he, he he's how tall was he? Six nine. But six he, nine. They, I mean, be, LeBron, they would I mean, he he's LeBron. They were running pick and roll. Yeah, but he can't guard.
3: he can't shoot like LeBron. Shoot. Like LeBron when he when LeBron had his best shooting, like Magic was never a shooter like that. Um, I think they would. I think in today's NBA, they probably would have put Magic as a power forward and just. He'd be Draymond Green, maybe. Like they would have
1: just, but he couldn't defend. I mean, do you know how do you know how deadly that would be? Oh, see. That'd be of
4: that, And I didn't say it out loud because I was afraid of the ramifications that would come behind but no, but saying that he, Magic Johnson but would but he is, Draymond. No, Draymond.
3: See, that is exactly he would be Draymond Green if you think about it. With would a with a better handle, uh, better passing ability, which is which is, I mean, Draymond has a great passing ability, but he ain't Magic.
1: But could, Im- could you imagine Magic setting the pick rolling, and then once he catches the ball, but could, but,
3: all the threats. What point guards can Magic guard?
1: Oh, today, yeah, Magic.
4: <laughs> magic <laughs> well, that, that's interesting, though, because like th- this is another thing to think about with nineties basketball. Lowry last night, maybe.
3: <laughs> yeah, Lowry. In- 80s- he was shut Lowry. Eighties and
4: nineties basketball. The hand checking allowed guys that were not as quick, that didn't have lateral quickness, that weren't as good on ball defenders. Hand checking allowed you to get a guy to slow down, get a guy uncomfortable, move him from his spots. If, if Magic couldn't hand check, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to like guard a, a Tim Hardaway back in the 90s, but um, you could get by for stretches with that big of a player guarding a small point guard because of the fact, uh, you know, and they did a lot of switching too. I know guys like Byron Scott covered point guards and things like that, but um, like I think that 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 the rules difference, it, it's almost like uh weird to sit here and. Compare the two eras because they're playing by literally different rules. Yeah, it, no, it's,
3: and it's it's fun it's, though. It's fun. True. I I like it. It's fun. No, it is
1: fun. It is. I fun. just thought it was an interesting conversation because no, I, I, people around me romanticized the '90s NBA, which I me mean, I haven't seen. I, I you know I grew up in I was born in '92, so I've only seen old games a couple isolated. And every time I watch the games, I was like, "What are they doing?" Yeah, it's
3: fun to discuss. As long as the people you're discussing with are definitive assholes who are like, ain't nobody better than Jordan. Like, just sit your barbershop ass down. Like, understand that things change. Like, like, we, like we're sitting here having a discussion where we're saying certain guys have been better now and less effective than like, it's, it's a nuanced discussion that we can have. But, like, you can't go into a barbershop right now and say LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan ever was without getting run out of there with, you know, with clippers, you know, people trying to stab you with scissors and it,
1: and
4: spray you with alcohol and tea face. tree oil. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, you, you can't, walk out of there with a messed up face. Out, listen, I,
1: I get my haircut at a Cuban barbershop and, like, it's in and out. Am I missing out by this black barbershop experience? No,
4: No, The Sp- Spanish barbershops uh, are are cool too, and they talk. I mean, at least of the ones I used to go to when I lived in Miami and Orlando, they still talk sports. You just can't understand everything they're saying if you're no, a like politics. me. No, they talk politics. This
1: is all Cuban. and All they do is they, they talk no, about politics all the, the time. Sport, like part
3: what's ruined me with like, and I, I was talking to the other night about this, Johnny. Like what's ruined me with talking to people about sports. I spend way too much time on Twitter with guys like Nikias and uh, all these all these stat nerds <laughs> fucking, who just fucking who, yeah like who destroy my my perfect little perception of basketball and they tell me that what I'm watching is is it real like I like I used to be able to sit down and have a discussion in a barbershop and be able to pull up some stats out of my ass and be like oh he knows basketball now like I go into a barbershop and I listen to them talk and I'm like. <laughs> Nakaius wouldn't agree with any of this crap. Like <laughs> I, I scoff. You're the,
1: you're the stat guy with your. Yeah, friends.
3: I am the stat guy. And then I come out with you guys, and I'm like, I'm like the caveman. Oh, field goal percent is good.
1: Ah,
3: points per I game. I can so
4: relate to that, Alf, because like all of my homies that I've known my whole life, my best friends. They all come to me for everything, perspective, stats, otherwise, <laughs> for Miami Heat, and and I do have, you know, I, I, whatever you can call me arrogant, but I have a perspective that I feel is worthy of listening to, listening to. But um, I'm not stats guy either. That's why we the
1: big bucks, Leaf.
4: Yeah, well, no, it's just I'm not the stats guy. I'm not the plus minus net rating this lineup with this lineup and this, you know, like last night, Nakaya said something about the Heat should be uh, extremely scared because of the lineup change because that Powell guy was going to (laughs) start. And then I see Wade just cooking him all night, and I'm thinking to myself, like, maybe, like, Every little move should not be dissected to that degree. So it's just a difference in the way that we watch the games, but neither is right or wrong. I'm glad you said
1: that, Leif, because I remembered when when Steve Clifford started Kaminsky and everybody went to go look at the lineups in the regular season that against the Heat, and obviously we're dealing with small samples, the Kaminsky-Jefferson lineups were terrible. Terrible. Yeah, it, they were like minus twenty of, per hundred possessions. Doesn't mean anything, you know. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that we kind of forget when we deal with these numbers so often that I think what, what it, not just sample, but things change. And what we
3: forget is like situational, right? Like I was like exactly like like last night at the end of the game, the Heat stopped moving the basketball and went ISO heavy, and everyone's like, "Why are they moving the ball? Push it, push the pace." And it's like, "Why would you push the pace?" The Raptors couldn't do anything in the half court.
4: Anything. And you had the lead. Yeah. You, <laughs> did you see you had an did you
3: see goal, in Miami? They had like an 8-12-point to 12 point lead the whole, like, the last five minutes. Why would you push anything? They they purposely gave the ball to Wade, Dragic, or Joe Johnson and said, you pound that ball till about 8 to 7 seconds left in the shot clock and make, try to make something happen. Why? Because they knew on the other end of the court they could stop the Raptors in the half court but once you start pushing the ball and we have a couple misses now now it becomes now we're we're running back and forth and the Raptors in in a a short shot clock and in in the open court are a lot better than they are in a slow down half court offense so yeah for the most part the Heat are better when they push the ball and they get shots early in the shot clock. They give them they give themselves a chance for offensive rebounds. They move the ball. But in that situation with five minutes left, up eight, it was better to pound the ball, slow it down, and make the Raptors execute in the half court, which they did not. They didn't ex- execute in the half court at the end of the game. You know what happened? Lual Deng ran across the baseline <laughs> on an inbounds play. And Kyle Lowry hit a three-quarter court three-quarters court shot.
1: Joe Johnson missed a free throw, and Hassan missed a free throw.
3: And, and Josh Richardson
1: surprisingly made both. Hassan
3: missing—Hassan Hass, making one out of two. And I know this sounds counterintuitive, but for him, in Good his enough, first course. clutch free throw line experience as a seven-footer to make one out of two— It could have been worse. Oh, it was huge. Because not only be did he—he he made the second one— which has a lot more pressure to make the second one after you miss the first one.
1: And it's more important in those situations. Yeah, it's way more
3: important because you let them get an offensive rebound. Now it's a free-for-all. Not offense. I mean def- defensive rebound. Now it's a free-for-all. Everyone's scrambling. They got more time. They have the ball maybe at the free-throw line a little bit extended. Now, you know, the, everything you changes. don't get the
1: chance to make the inbound difficult. Exactly. No timeouts. So
3: for him to make that second free-throw, I know he missed the first one. But this is what I'm talking about with perspective. Like, oh, that was that Hassan messed up by missing that first free throw. Dude, he's a seven footer who could, be, who was like, what was he shooting? 40% at the beginning of the year? For him to step to the line at a big moment and hit one out of two was huge. Like,
1: and I, For the coach has to trust him to have him in the game and rebound, eight, knowing very well. Thank that you, because DeAndre gone. Jordan would have been on the bench. What's the other
3: big stiff from Detroit? Uh, um, drama. Yeah, drama. Hey,
1: that's your brother. That's your brother, dude. My brother
3: and Harry Arms until he shaved him. Yes. he's dead to me.
4: Hey, so <laughs> I have an I have an interesting thing to uh, to think about. What oh, if we what? what if we win game
1: two? Well, then they go home up two games to none, which is very possible. Actually, what if? Well, I I guess there's there's no point of this conversation cuz Atlanta's getting waxed right now, but I was thinking it'd be funny if Atlanta were to beat the Cavs. Oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> and, not going to happen. And Miami were to, Would you rather play the Would
3: you rather play Atlanta or
1: Cleveland? I'd rather play Cleveland cuz
3: we're not beating Golden State anywhere. <laughs>
1: <I>, yeah. I, <laughs> I'd rather play Atlanta cuz being in the finals is fun. I, I, so so
4: I'm I'm probably 75 whatever, 25 on this. Like I want the chance to play against the Cavs, even though I, I I think that we would be underdogs and it would be a tough series to win because I feel like they are right now hitting their three-point shots. I Like, a lot of people are saying they're hitting their stride and they're playing better. I don't agree with that necessarily. I just think they're making three-point shots, which makes this like, a lot prettier. Um, but, you know, I will say this about if we got the chance to play Atlanta. If you get to the finals... With this team, minus Bosch, that's a huge accomplishment uh but regardless of that, I want Cleveland, I want LeBron, and we'll live with the results.
1: you know, I was talking to a friend of mine before I came on here we, they're 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 Laker fan, they're Kobe fans, and um we were talking about how is dwayne kind of becoming not Kobe but in tr- like that elder state like the last the 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 next legendary player to retire. I guess it's probably Dirk, right? But I think Dwayne is more popular? Yeah,
3: Dwayne is the last of his kind, kind of. Um, but
1: I mean, like, just this, this player who has this, who kind of transcends the sport, kind of like Kobe did. I, I don't, is well, the, way that? this or-
4: playoffs has helped with that because I think that there was a lot of doubt um, about what he can do without having a super team, without having Shaq, blah, 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 nonsense. You know that all that nonsense that people talk about, and seeing him come up in these big moments, you're almost seeing like the legend of Dwayne Wade move into a next tier. Um, and I think that only you know the rest of these games can elevate that. But uh, he's been incredible. I think, I think you're onto something, Gianni.
1: <laughs> no, but like I'm just saying, like Kobe, you know. As Kobe's career started, and his his career was riddled with injury at the end, but a lot of people wanted him to succeed. You just wanted to see Kobe be great one more time. You know what I mean? And I think we're gonna. You're right,
3: and 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 I think if you read the uh, beat guys when they're on the road, every every especially during the regular season, everywhere that Wade went, he got a huge ovation. And what I think you're talking about, Gianni, is. Marquee superstars in NBA, right? Because there, there's levels to this, right? There's all stars, all right? Kyle Lowry was an all star, all right? Then there's DeRozan was an all star. And I'm just talking about throughout the years, you had Stevie Francis was an all star at some point. Um, but then you get to superstars, right? And true, I'm talking about true, transcendent superstars, like, you know, because you'll talk about Bosch. To me, Bosch is a superstar, but when you talk about marquee, transcendent guys who just cross all boundaries, you're talking about Wade, right? You're talking about Kobe. You're talking about LeBron. You're talking about Durant. I don't even know if Westbrook is there yet, right?
1: I think Westbrook is there in a sports context, but I don't know. No, that's what I'm talking.
3: I'm talking about beyond sports. I'm talking yeah, about just, uh, he, like, he, my, tr- he transcends my, his sports. My mom
4: doesn't know who Russell Westbrook is, but she knows who LeBron James is. And she knows who Kevin Duran. Durant
3: is. Like, that's what yeah. I'm saying. The 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 layman, the person walking the street. And it, and part of it has to do with circumstances outside of sports. The fact that Dwayne Wade is married to Gabrielle Union is big, right?
1: Um the, But that all kind of feeds into yeah, it. Yeah, but it's
3: all part of being that like. Mark, he, but see, Nick Young is married to A. G. Azalea. It doesn't, you know, there there, ha, there has to be a confluence of circumstances. Um, but what you're saying is transcendent superstars. Who do we have in the NBA right now? Transcendent, above. I mean, we're talking about. That's
1: why I brought. That's why I brought Dirk up because Dirk is not you know, has had a. He's not even though his excellence is. Yeah, he's I, mean, a cons- I think
4: I think he isn't on our soil, but I think internationally as uh how did you drop? something alf broke (laughs) did you You break the glass no no not not Um,
3: yet i need a couple more drinks (laughs) not yet a couple more drinks for that no go
4: ahead
1: yeah
4: no i was just i was saying i don't know that dirk is that here because there's also like this is something that uh needs to be uh factored in when you talk about transcendent superstars and the opportunities that present themselves with those guys uh there's a certain level of being in tune with pop culture and hip hop culture that uh allows those guys to become what they are and that's just the that's just the climate of the NBA and the fans that that watch the game so like a guy like Dirk is just not going to be like Dwayne Wade because in so many people's eyes Dwayne Wade is he's cooler
3: yeah like Jay-Z shout out Kawhi Leonard on a track. like You know, that's plays a great interest. example.
4: That's exactly what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi may be top five. I mean, not maybe, I think he's top five. I think he top three. I think he's one of the best players in the NBA right now.
1: But, he's awesome. but
3: when you talk, but like, it's, it's, like right now, who would you say top four? I mean, transcendent worldwide superstars in the league.
1: And, without Curry, Kobe, Curry, LeBron, Durant. Wait,
4: Curry, LeBron, Dwayne and and Durant probably. I, I, I'm asking maybe Tim it, Duncan? I, it's I weird cuz Duncan almost he circumvents all those rules, but I, I don't know. I don't know, maybe I Duncan does. I don't think people count. see
1: Duncan like that. And I don't we, know if people see Wade like that if we're not looking at this through sort of a biased prism. No, I'm telling you, you're wrong on that.
3: Dwayne Wade is goes well beyond sports. Like Dwayne Wade, you know, you watch Saturday morning cartoons, and Dwayne Wade has, like, I don't know if it's Goldfish. Like, he has one of these commercials where he's animated. Like, I have kids. Like, I can tell you that, like, young kids still know who Dwayne Wade is, right? Well,
4: and I think that it's helped. Was he- Shaq that? Was oh, Shaq yeah, definitely Shaq. Oh, for sure. 100%. Shaq was one of the few big men who,
3: who achieved that uh, that kind yeah. of fame.
4: He was he, he was a megastar and the guys like Alonzo were great NBA players and to NBA people. We loved Alonzo Morning and he was a superstar, but he wasn't what Shaq was. But the thing with Dwayne is is that you have to also understand that winning contributes greatly to getting that transcendent status. And also, like I know that we like to be team petty, but um playing with LeBron. And playing on a super team that got that coverage, winning on that team, and playing with Shaq before all of that are things that factor into the allure of of Dwayne Wade being a a transcendent superstar. I I think he's on that list. I'd be interested to hear people's perspective that are not biased Heat Twitter, uh, Heat Beat folks, but um, I think that he would probably make that cut.
3: And also now that LeBron is gone, for Wade not to just – simply fade into the background for for a, a Dwayne Wade LeBron James matchup in the Easter Conference Finals to be a huge
1: story. Like that is going to be The big, biggest story oh, in sports. It's going to be a monster. It is going to it's it's exacerbated exacerbated by this play that Dwayne this hero basketball that Dwayne has been playing.
3: Yeah, and but that is that's the playoffs. Like that's the thing like
1: Everyone actually, but like he's no, but he's been great. I mean, he's been he has been he's been the story. He's been
3: great, and he's built for this.
1: But that's the thing. Has he been the story of these playoffs? And no. again, is this, is this a Miami no. bias? I think. What is no. I think he's been one
3: of the top. Other than injuries, I think Other you know they did, I think somebody did a poll who's been the MVP of the playoffs, and I think Wade came in first or second. But I don't think he's been the biggest story of the playoffs because I think injuries to like Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. I'm saying
1: outside of the injuries of the actual games. Paul, Paul, George, has been the Paul George played better than Dwayne Wade has. I yeah, mean, but Paul George I mean, wasn't a story. Paul, Paul he does really care about Paul George.
4: Yeah, but, but, but I, I, this is not about
1: bears. This is not about, yeah, this uh, is about okay, what's so the story. If, if
4: you're talking about storyline, um, I guess if you take injuries out of it, uh, just a, I mean, maybe he on, is. On-court
1: stories. just on a pure basketball,
4: basketball, it, a pure basketball it's so story,
3: that, yeah, he's been one right. of the biggest stories in the playoffs.
1: Leif what were you saying before alpha rudely interrupted you?
4: Well, no, I was just gonna say that <laughs> if you really go with like pure basketball um and I know that he's eliminated so that can always be pointed to as a you know as a as a thing but Paul George was awesome in that first round series and who was talking about him? No, but that that's where I'm going with what I'm saying, is that it's not just about pure basketball. It's about what the media latches onto, what the fans latch onto, what social media latches onto, and what they want to talk about. And no one wants to talk about the Indiana Pacers or Paul George because okay. probably because he's with the Indiana
1: Pacers. <laughs> yeah.
4: but, and, and I um, know
1: Paul George has outplayed. Uh, yeah, but late, late, like you're saying,
3: in the Charlotte series – if we really want to talk about who is the best player for the entire series, that's probably Lou all Day. Luau? Of course. Yeah, but nobody's talking about Lou all yeah, Day. It's... Wade is the story because Wade does right. Wade does these things at the end of games that it's 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 more flashy.
1: It's just and he does it memorably. He's blocking shots, He blocked two shots, he gets the game saving steal. You is know, he he's on. A, is he a troll? Yeah, act? like he just sits there. Like he will not play defense for the entire game, and he. Don't... That's what Bomani co- Bomani calls. It, he always pulls out them jacks. <laughs> like I don't know, and you can't. It's like,
4: <laughs> it's like just in the playoffs he puts <laughs> some zeal on that defense, it... but the rest of the year, <laughs>
3: yeah, all of a sudden he becomes like... Alonzo Morty at the end of the game c- protecting the rim like nobody's His really
1: Timing is. is so good. It's still so he's good. The, it's like he's just
3: theatrical. <laughs> like, like, because the, the, the game when it was a blowout, he scored like fourteen points. He's like, "What? I don't want to be involved in this. What's the drama in this?" But, yeah, but the cl- the close the games, I mean, he's out there blocking shots, stealing the ball, getting up, traveling.
1: Uh, that <laughs> first time, to- no, they did. They, they, they Did they even? Say anything about them in the two minute? No, because he didn't
3: travel. You're allowed yeah. to get up in the NBA. People, yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
4: It's funny though, because when I when I played in high school, it was an automatic travel travel if you had the ball and you got up. That's high school and college. college. You, you can do that up.
3: in the NBA. But the funny okay. thing is Levitar was pointing out, like, the way Luau was playing at the end of the game, Wade would have rather gotten called for a travel than pass it to Luau. <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 He was getting over there. like at first he wanted to make the pass. Yeah, he looked like, like oh, no. Nah. Nope, nope, let's just take like, nah. this
1: ball. <laughs> no, but th- there came a point. I think it was in the huddle. It was when he was yelling at everybody. Dwayne had, had it with those oh, people. Oh, he was, was fed up. Dude, he was like, I'm done with y'all. Where? How, how about... How about
4: Chris Bosch, uh with the lip reading that where he said they everybody said this is going seven this series ain't going seven and they <laughs> read really? his lips saying that yeah Chris Perkins tweeted it and Ethan you know retweeted it out uh, and it looks like he said something to that degree which is fun
1: are we not surprised that Haslam was not the one ripping those people I mean that that Haslam must have been infuriated. Yeah, like, like too angry to speak.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah, but even it was like, it was almost like, what, what was Dwayne mad at? Like, I guess it, oh, no, I mean, they couldn't it, inbound it the
1: ball. A, the Josh Richardson, when he didn't hold on to the rebound, Joe missing a free throw, Luol making a mistake. It was not Calls. an individual moment. It was just like everything stacked up on each other. He was like, a, do I
4: got to do everything?
3: Yeah, I know. But he, at that point, he was just trying to do everything out
1: there on the court. Which he did, by the way.
4: I mean, in overtime, to score set, like, this is the other thing about the way that game finished. Because, um, like, there was talk of, like, oh, we were only up three with nine seconds to go. They almost got back in the game. Dwayne Wade scored seven points or eight points in that overtime period. Like, to do that, like, that's, I mean, that's closer stuff. And all that's that's going to come up big.
3: All of it coming after that gut punch to end regulation.
4: Oh my gosh! I thought we were gonna fold. I mean, like normally on the road, that happens. You fold. You go away. You you know, like you you don't come back from that. And uh, we had like kind of a little bit of a of a Spurs moment in terms of uh, coming back from. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be the
3: Spurs, like how they didn't fold in the in overtime after the Ray Allen shot, but it was almost like a foregone conclusion, like. That game was over. And I and the Spurs were battling and I didn't even I wasn't even stressed in overtime after Ray Allen hit that shot because I was like after that shot the Spurs can't come back. But I, No,
4: I meant more how they came back the next year. Oh that. super resilient. Oh I no, mean, wiped us off the floor. Like <clears throat> you saw a little bit of not us wiping them off the floor, but I felt like in overtime we had control for the entire Overtime period, and that was huge. Coming off that shot, can
3: we talk about how much I, I hate the Hawks? Over
4: an hour? What? Why? You know, why do you guys have to they, do? They're so
3: fraudulent, Fraud. man. They
4: need. They need to blow that team up. Chicago needs to blow that team up. Um, there's a lot of teams that like
3: every that, year that, they, pret- they they pretend to be a real basketball team. They're on the road. It doesn't. No, they've been doing. No, they've been. I'm t- they've been doing this for like twenty years. Like, they, they pretend to be a real basketball team. They get into the playoffs. And like, I was watching. I, I like I walked away and they were, up, they were down by like 22 with like seven minutes left in the second quarter. Like that team has like no balls. No, like there's nothing to them. Like I said, there are a bunch of dudes that got friend zoned. Like that's what they are. They're a bunch of friend zone type dudes. Now, that's what they are. They're a bunch of guys in the friend zone. Hey, you know what I mean, Johnny? You don't, you don't get it. They're, they're, I don't. There are a bunch of guys that just—they're nice guys, man. Like they're—they're they're really nice. They're
4: too soft, man. They're, like I mean, nobody so- wants to punch anyone in the mouth, man. Like I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. They're—they're—they're they're, they're a bunch of friend um, zone
3: dudes. Like if, yeah. if it wasn't for Paul, if, if if I wasn't light skinned, I would say they were. They're like the light skinned version of a basketball team. They're just like real light skinned and soft and. And it's it's just it's it's unnerving to watch them play basketball. Like they're just and, a bunch and of. And the Cavs front have a
4: mental advantage over them too. So like that's such a bad se- Last year they had home court, and the Cavs. Like, what did they do? Sweep them. So there's a mental advantage going on there as well, where they just think they have no chance in that series. You know, before they even tip.
3: Yeah, but you don't get that mental advantage unless you're playing a bunch of light skinned friend zone dudes. That's what they are. They're
1: friends. Yeah. They're a dudes. bunch of
3: JJ fans, yeah. not JJ fans. You know what I'm talking about.
1: Like, why you mean? Why you mean, man? man
3: J- J- Leif, you know what I'm talking about.
1: No, no for I mean, sure. Leif I mean, is he, white, I, but he understands I mean, what
3: I'm talking about. They're light
1: skin friends. Now, for dudes. sure. Yeah, and the, I, and the, no, I get what you're saying. I just think you're being mean to the hawks. No, I'm I am I'm sick who of cares?
3: them. Dude, I'm sick of them. I'm sick of Dude, their Gianni mean...
4: Gianni is the mean police. He always oh, is looking hawks, out for man. the person who's be, who's getting that whoever if you're being mean to them, Gianni will come to Poor them. Poor Atlanta. He saves them. Captain Save a save <laughs> a friend zone. Captain Save a Hawk. <laughs> there you go. And, 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 I,
3: and I also hate Atlanta as a city, as, as a town, as a way of life, as an idea. I hate Atlanta. So I hate the Hawks. I had season tickets to the Hawks one year. Did I ever tell you guys that story?
1: Yes, I've, several times. And
3: I $5 a ticket for season Bandwagon. tickets. No, I only went to the. I saw Zoe's last game.
4: Oh, when they carried him off the court? Yeah, well, no, they tried to
3: put him on a stretcher. He told me get, get right that yet. stretcher the hell out of my face. He called over Shaq and Wade, and Shaq and Wade carried him off the court. I am not going to say I didn't cry thug
1: tears that night.
4: I I was just going to say I would have started crying. The day, the fuck, the well, the day UD retires, food,
1: that's says. thug tears. Dude, yeah. You're honest, man. And
4: somebody was
3: like, oh, why did Spo play Spoh play UD last night? UD had good minutes. Or maybe Can, he had, so hey, like,
1: can <laughs> we... Let's end the show on this. I, was, we're, I we're enjoyed going the you here.
3: these minutes yesterday.
1: Why? Why are you guys getting mad that Haslam's playing? I mean, Haslam is playing good minutes for a team, and as long as he's out there and not fucking everything up, you should be happy. Slow <laughs> like trust
4: K. him. He doesn't make mistakes. Yes, he can't score. He doesn't make mistakes, and he can't, he can't jump. Him. He can't jump. He scored yesterday. Slow trust him. Put, he barely no, scored. He, you. He, had put no, back. he had one. He had one barely, little putback. Barely. Yeah. It
1: was a sweet <laughs> ass yeah. putback too. Barely, yo. He barely got up there. He couldn't dunk it. No, but if you see his, right. his
3: discipline on pick and rolls, like, I mean, you might make a shot over him, but it's not due to lack of lack of good fundamentals. Like,
1: Well, my coworker was telling me Udonis and his bad foot moves more than Amari. Yes, <laughs> he does.
4: Well, considering we need to wrap it up and considering we're playing Toronto, how about we end it with... More Eudonis Haslam's, less Drakes.
3: I'm going to tattoo that on my back.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance.